This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Premier Chels. I'm joined today by my close friend here, Rahul, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the shenanigans of the World Cup, the round of 16, the quarterfinals upcoming. But first, how are you doing, Rahul? I'm I'm doing well. This tournament's going by very fast, and we're almost down to like the last 12 days or so. Very fast and very exciting, I must say. I know when we opened the first segment of this episodes or series of episodes about the world cup we were talking about politics we were talking about qatar and now we're like let's just watch football let's just see how the games progress yeah and it has been keeping the politics and and all the other issues with you know with qatar on the side it has been a fun tournament to watch i mean uh i don't remember the last one as as well but as clearly but um just the drama and, and going into the final day of the group stages and everything that was riding on teams making it, some teams actually making it like Japan, Germany going out, Morocco yep. going through. It's just been entertaining. And honestly, like people that I know and don't really follow the sport are actually coming up to me or texting me and saying, what do you think of this game? And, you yeah. know, the, the, the buzz is coming, the, the excitement is coming in. And, and it's good because I think, uh, we want that for, for the sport here in the U.S. I 100% agree with you. I think other than the time difference, which I'll be honest, I think a lot of supporters are hiding in bathrooms during their lunch break and catching the 1 p.m. kickoffs and all that. But other than the time difference, I think it's been a brilliant World Cup. It's been exciting. A lot of drama here and there. And like you touched on Morocco making it through and kicking out the mighty Spain. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. It's been brilliant. So I'm excited to see not only how it progresses and what happens in the next rounds in the final, but it's actually getting me excited for 2026 when it's hosted in our time zone and we get to be there and be available. And look, we're getting into states and in cities that are hosting the World Cup. So it might be interesting for the Premier Charles Rahul in a few years. It, it definitely will be. I'm already putting it out there that that summer I'll be taking all my vacation time. <laughs> uh, so 2026, wherever I am. Uh, putting it out there. <laughs> there we go. We'll, we'll plan to get together and watch some oh, games together yeah, as well. But let's dive into the round of 16 because we have a lot to cover today. And I'll open it up with our USA team over here. And they were playing Netherlands. And you and I were pretty confident for USA against Netherlands. Unfortunately, it ends 3-1. What did you make of the game and the performance overall? And maybe a quick word, uh, word on uh, Greg Berhalter as well. I honestly thought, I mean... We've seen them in the group stages, and and they were good for half, maybe, in, in terms of the Wales game. Against England, they were most definitely the better team overall. Uh, and then against Iran, they were – or Iran. Uh, they were they were definitely better for the first 45, and then I think they managed it in the second 45. So that gave us hope. That gave us some, some belief that, you know, coming against Netherlands, who were still finding their feet, that we could – uh, we could take them out. And I think that early chance that falls to pool is like if that goes yeah. in, it's a different game. But I was just trying to look up the stats real quick. I think ultimately it ended up being a similar kind of terms <laughs> performance in terms of chances, 11 shots for the Netherlands, 17 for the U.S., eight shots on target for the U.S., six for Netherlands. So I think it just came down to the Netherlands being a little more clinical. 
and for the U.S., maybe the occasion was a little too big. They were they were trying to do a little too much in certain points, and ultimately got found out by by players in in terms of Memphis Depay, Daly Blind, and and Denzel Dumfries, who do play in the European leagues and have been in and around you know the top teams in Europe. No, and I think you hit it spot on. I think it really did come down to a game of chances, and we talked about the U.S. looking for maybe an out-and-out out number nine. We were arguing who was going to play there because they had tried two or three different options throughout the group stages and working up into it. And so maybe missing that clinical striker, although the guys that did perform and get goals helped their team all the way through, I think they can be proud of what they achieved, Rahul. They're relatively young, and, and young is not a bad thing because you look at four years ago where they didn't even qualify to where they made it now going into the round of 16 now they're hosts in four years and you've got that team that's been together and they've had that experience under their belt of what a world cup is what it is to go through a group stage maybe winning those games that you should against iran and try and work your way out so you can rest some guys but i think the future is bright for them i think it's a learning curve it's a learning lesson greg berhalter has his fans has his critics but we'll see how that plays out in the next few years here yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the fact that it's going to be in the U.S., Mexico, and Canada, obviously, uh, the next time around, and U.S. don't have to qualify for that tournament, the the cycle and the buildup for that changes a little bit in terms of what you do, competition, and all of that. Uh, and ultimately, if Berhalter isn't there, then who they bring in matters because you may want to have a big name kind of what yeah. within one of the host nations. So it's going to be an interesting next few weeks, uh, depending on what they do, but. I think, like you said, for the U.S., the future is bright, uh, and and I know there's some some media uh, talk going on around that they don't think the U.S. would ever win the World Cup, but you never know. I mean, uh, with the way the game is developing here and the players and the and the talent coming out of the U.S., you never know. I mean, we're seeing Morocco, and I keep touching on them, uh, but we're seeing Morocco coming through. All obviously not in the final or anywhere close to the trophy yet, but as a unit, as a team that plays together, you never know how far you go. Yeah. Look, and I think they mentioned Netherlands being one of the best footballing nations never to win the world cup. So never say never for the USA and the USA fans. I think they had a good tournament. I think there's room to improve. There's always room to improve. So we move from North America to South America and that's Argentina versus Australia. And Rahul, I think a lot of people, Maybe rightly so, maybe wrongly so, thought that Argentina would have had this in the bag. But Australia put up a good fight, and even when they scored, they'd finished 2-1. It was nerve-wracking till the last minute, I think, even when I was watching that game. Oh, yeah. It, it, and I was one of those who was like, Argentina's got this. I'm putting some money down on like a 4-5-0. Um, actually, I said 5-1, if I remember right. Yeah. And for a while, it seemed like it was headed that way, but I think... Australia fought back. You got to give them credit. They showed a lot of character not to just fall apart or let Argentina yeah. roll them over uh, and ultimately do get the goal themselves and make it interesting. And I think a couple of inches here and there, they hit yeah. a post and they hit the bar. Could have been a totally different game, 2-2 in, in, Ar in Argentina, maybe questioning the pressure builds up again on Messi and his teammates. But they live to fight another day. And I think Australia go out with their heads heads held high. Yeah, I think if they could have drawn a tougher opponent, maybe not because Argentina is up there. And who else is going to score that opening goal for them? And Lionel Messi, we started by saying this is a messy World Cup. We were trying to be funny, but it seems to be working out for them so far. I don't want to jinx it for Argentina and Messi. But, you know, social media is a beautiful thing, Rahul, because after the game, 
they show some of the Australia players kind of queuing outside the Argentina dressing room to try and get a photograph with Messi. And that was really interesting to me because it shows both sides of how these guys could be professional and dedicated to play the game the way they did and not get rolled over by Argentina. But when it's all gone, they're like, we're still fans of Lionel Messi and we need to grab a picture with the fella. So lovely scenes overall. I think that's what the, the World Cup is about, is some of the nations that are not necessarily up there as the footballing greats get a chance to go toe-to-toe with the footballing greats and maybe they get an upset every now and then. We're talking about Morocco. We're leading up to Morocco here, but uh, good performance from them overall. Again, looking forward to what they can do and build over the next few years. But I'm going to go into Asia and Europe now, and this is another nail-biter with Japan versus Croatia. I think, again, I thought Croatia had this in the bag, no disrespect to Japan, but... The way they cleaned up the stadiums and cleaned up the dressing room, they came to clean up Croatia as well, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they definitely did, and I think they even took the lead uh, right before halftime. And uh, Croatia, to their credit, I mean, Luka Modric, thirty-seven, I want to say thirty-eight, almost uh, pulling the strings, and and they are a team that have a lot of experience within within their ranks. I mean, Kovacic, Modric, Perisic. Uh, and probably missing a few names, but they have a team that can grind a result out, and they did exactly that here. I think even four years ago uh, in 2018, I think in round of 16, they made it through on penalties. So they're a team that has the experience. They've been it, been in it, done it, made it to a final, obviously. So uh, it was always going to be a tough ask, but I think, again, Japan gave their best shot, and it ultimately comes down to penalties, and uh, when you miss a few uh, to start off, it's always going to be difficult. But again, another team that got to watch out for in the next next time around. Uh, if they stick together and, and come back with that belief, you never know. Absolutely. Moving on from Asia and Europe, now back to South America, but keeping a little bit of Asia. Brazil versus Croatia, uh, Korea, I beg your pardon. And I think this was an interesting one because we knew or we thought they were going to win and Brazil starts like a house on fire and you were expecting eight, nine, 10 goals at some point, <laughs> but it ends up being four, one. And, and I don't want to say it's a game of two halves, but Brazil looked like a different level. Cause they took their foot off the gas and they said, D- job done. Let's take a break. Yeah. I mean that inside 13 minutes two nil up. Yeah. You're right. I was, I was like, Hmm, where's this going to go? Where's this going <laughs> to end up? Brazil seemed like they want to get revenge for that seven, one in, in 2014. So I put my money down on 8-1 with the Casemiro <laughs> goal. I think I got a little greedy. Yeah, there you uh, go. I got a little greedy with the odds and what I was going to get back. Uh, but no, look, credit to Brazil. They came out. They came out to play. They came out to enjoy themselves, which is what they did. They got the goals. Uh, South Korea, I think, it's interesting because we we watch the Premier League, right? And it's, it's a whole different format. It's mm-hmm. a whole different idea from managers and how they set up. Uh, South Korea came out, and I thought they would want to sit deep. They would want to maybe play on the counter. But they gave Brazil the spaces that ultimately right. Brazil exploited and, and hit them on the counter in certain points where uh, it all almost was like a 3v3 or a 4v2 or, you know, whatever it was. And uh, talk about being clinical. They they put it, they got the chances, they score them. And then you put yourself in a position where you can coast a little bit in the second half. Yeah. And South Korea obviously come back and make it a little more respectable uh, with the goal towards the end of that second half. But I was. I thought they, if they really wanted, they could have seen this make it a closer to double digits. Look, that's why you went and put your money on eight one because <laughs> you thought that Brazil were going to do it. But look, no, they were clinical. They were strong. I think to echo my original point, they took their foot off the gas, and I think 
teams that want to win a big tournament have to do that. They have to pull some of that energy back and say, don't do anything crazy. Don't get injured. Don't burn yourself out because we're done at this point. Four nail in the first half. Coast in the second, like you said, and move on to the quarterfinals at that point. But let's move on. I have, on a, question. To... I have yeah, a question ahead. for you on this. So there, a lot was made of the celebrations, the dancing. The coach even ended up dancing with, I think, with Richarlison. How do you see that? I mean, there's obviously two sides here, right? Some people say it's, it's disrespectful. Others say they're just having a good time. If they're getting the chances to score, they got to celebrate. How do you see it? Is it disrespectful to for a coach to get involved in that kind of celebration? I don't think so. The World Cup comes once every four years, Rahul. And I think if you look at Brazil culturally and as a nation, there, I mean, looking back at the days of going to even Ronaldinho, every time he scored, there was a little dance, a little tap, <laughs> a little movement. I think culturally and as a nation, they're just a very lively, positive, exciting, happy-go-lucky bunch. And so they're having a good time. And I think for me, it shows maybe the morale of the squad is where it needs to be. And if the coach is coming in there, everything's smooth. <laughs> For right now, at this point, they may be my pick for making it to the final. There's still a lot more games to play, of course, but they're looking like a well-oiled unit at this point. Yeah, they definitely are, and it's assists from Thiago Silva. We spoke about Modric. I mean, Thiago Silva, man, this guy is... <laughs> they they got to put him in a lab and and, and just test him and, and see what's going on there because he's he's defying all the all the... the sayings all the traditions that as you get older and especially for a defender in this game you know people run by you easily he just reads the game so so well in like a book um I'm, i don't want him to burn himself out here because <laughs> we definitely need him uh beyond G december 2018th when the final is but I'm, I'm happy to see him uh hopefully maybe even lifting the trophy at the end yeah she took the words out of her mouth i was like i want him to win it but i'm kind of selfish as a chelsea <laughs> fan saying don't burn yourself out at 38. But look, listen, 38, 39, 40, this man's going to keep going. If it's with Chelsea, fantastic. If not, I think he's still very, very healthy and fit. So knock on wood, don't want to jinx that. Hopefully he continues and goes from there. But moving from Brazil and Korea, let's talk about England versus Senegal. The game finishes 3-0, Raul, but for the first 35, 40-ish minutes, I would have never guessed it's going to be 3-0. Senegal were good for their money there. They definitely were, and they started off with a plan and they started off, I think they hit the post Pickford mm -hmm. had a couple of big saves before, you know, England score. And um, you're almost looking at it. Like it might be an upset here because Senegal were up for it. And, and on a different day, they easily could have taken the lead, but your, your big players step up and make the saves in terms of Pickford. And then when the chance ends up coming, Jordan Henderson, one of the least expected uh, goal scorers gets on the score sheet. Uh, and then I think Senegal just kind of, fell apart where and I, I hate to do this but we're talking about Thiago Silva another of our defenders at, at the World Cup uh, School of Bali who's had a decent tournament started off pretty well in this game but I think there was a point where I was asking him like is does he have a free role because he seems to be everywhere but center back right uh, and I think ultimately that cost them because I maybe he was trying to do too much maybe he was getting found out a little bit, but that was slightly concerning for me from a Chelsea perspective. And, and Mendy is another concern that I have. Uh, and it's been a concern for the full year, but not getting too drawn into the Chelsea piece. I think England ultimately come out on top, like we expected them to. And it's going to be interesting to see moving forward when they come up against a, maybe a more clinical attack, Kylian Mbappe. 
uh, how to handle that because not too many teams are, are going to let them come back in the way Senegal did. Yeah, and I think with this particular game, sometimes it goes to show maybe the swing of the tie. The first person who gets the goal maybe makes a difference. And so how we started Senegal, looking like they're going to win, score a goal against the run of play, England score, and from there, maybe Senegal lose focus, lose motivation. From there, England find it pretty easy to get the second and the third goal eventually. The first goal comes with Jordan Henderson. What did you make of him coming in for Mason Mount? I think... There were some tactical differences there. Do you think Jordan Henderson keeps his place? Do you think Mason Mount comes back? I think mean, we'll talk more about that later, but what do you make of Jordan Henderson? I think he's up there as well as 32-33. Yeah, I mean, I think he brings a little more defensive balance to this team. Uh, Mason Mount obviously can do the job, but I, against uh, the U.S., he was a little bit down in the group stage, and I think then he lost his place to Jordan Henderson. Uh, Mason Mount, we know what he can do. We know what he brings as the energy. And so it's not a bad option to, to maybe have Jordan Henderson start off and provide the 60, 65, 70 minutes. And then you bring on a Mason Mount when the opposition may be a little tired and defenders are, are losing focus just out of fatigue and Mason Mount can, can make a difference. But um, I think I would continue with Henderson because he seems to just kind of even things out a little bit in terms of that midfield balance. Yeah, absolutely. Puts the balance in there, allows some of the other guys to maybe focus on the attacking. But let's talk about the holders of the World Cup, Rahul, the current holders and maybe the holders elect there, I say, but that's France versus Poland. 3-1, they get the business done. I think Kylian Mbappe looking like his ego might be worth it. I don't know. <laughs> I'll leave that up to you. And even the goal Poland gets is, is a consolation penalty towards the end. France look good, my friend. What do you make of them? They definitely do. I think if there's a team that can win it back to back for the first time, I believe in 60 years, France have to be have to be value for money because they came in, you know, with a few injuries. I think Benzema goes out, Pogba isn't there, Angola Conte isn't there, which which for any team would be a big miss. But France just seemed to uh, fill that position with another talented player. But I got to talk about someone else before we come back to Mbappe, and that's Olivier Giroud. I mean. Here's a man that when he was at Arsenal, I don't think a lot of Chelsea fans, other fans around the world would have said, oh, that guy looks like, you know, he can he can be a good striker for my team. But when he came into our squad for Chelsea, we we appreciated what he brought. We were almost a little sad and and heartbroken when he left because we knew what he brings to the squad. He goes to AC Milan, he wins the title there. He now becomes France all-in-out top goal scorer with 52, I believe. Uh, so he deserves a lot of credit, Jackie, and I think you are a big fan of him. I'm a big fan of him, but he's doing the business this time around at the World Cup where, where he didn't even score last time when they won it. So I'd love to see him lift that trophy more than more than Mbappe or anyone else in that squad, but uh, I think Mbappe is definitely announcing himself as as the next big thing if he wasn't already. Uh, with Messi and Ronaldo kind of coming to an end of of their cycle and era, and that I think that first goal, even the second goal where he bends it out past Chesney, that gets you out of your seat. And, yeah. and I'd love to say, keep bringing things back to Chelsea because I mean we're getting <laughs> close to seeing Chelsea coming back, but I know Mbappe may be looking to move and and things may be happening there, but man, that guy has some talent and it and. 
it's not just about talent it's about execution and he yep. executes it very well and i think he's top goal scorer in this tournament i think he might be and i think coming back to your point about Giroud, it's nice to see france carrying the the old guard and the young guard with Giroud breaking the all-time french goal scoring record and Mbappe, who not hot on his heels, but with the form and the way he scores goals for France, you you would expect, barring some unfortunate situations, he might be the next one to take over Definitely. from Olivier yeah. Giroud. So uh, exciting times for France. We'll talk more about it when we reach the, the round of the quarterfinals, but let's move on to the one you've been building up for, <laughs> and that's Morocco versus uh, Spain. D- did you think Morocco were going to make it through? I know ultimately it ends a draw and they get through on penalties, but... They seemed very stubborn. They seemed very difficult to break down. A Spain side that, frankly, we questioned a little bit, but they were good for for value in the group stages and had some decent performances. What did you make of Morocco and their ability to hold off Spain, and can they do it again? Look, you got to give credit to to Morocco and and their manager who came in a few months before the tournament. Uh, the guy that got them in the tournament was let go. They brought brought in, uh, you know, a new manager, and I gotta get his name here in a second. But you gotta give them credit because if there was going to be an upset in in this round, I think Morocco were going to be that team that could pull it off. Not because they are way too good, or they're a team that uh, you know are going to defend and dig deep and and try to hold teams off. I mean, Spain had their chances. You've got to give them give them that, but they didn't take them. Morocco stuck together, had their chances on on the on the other side and and could have easily scored, but I think once it got to the penalties, Spain with all the history with missing and and not making it the last few uh tournaments and Morocco with just that belief saying we have them where we want them and then they missed the first two with Spain do uh there's a real belief within that squad in Morocco that we can cause an upset and we can be a good team that, that, you know, these European sides will struggle to break down. And, and they did. And I, I hate to say, it, but I think I was right about Alvaro Morata and, and bubbling <laughs> it in the, in the big moments, uh, but take nothing away from Morocco and, and, and what they're doing. And you never know. I mean, they have another European giant in the next round. And uh, I know there's a little bit of cramp, a little bit of fatigue, but, They'll be up for it when this game comes around. Yeah, so a couple of things there for the TPC listeners. If you know, Rahul likes to find a way to get a dig in at Alara Morata <laughs> every time he can. So you heard the dig there. I don't know if that's going to be the last for the World Cup segment. Maybe another one or two yet to come. Morocco manager Rahul is, is Walid Reg, Regragui. So hopefully I said that right or close to right. You're right. He They just brought him in to, to run with this World Cup tournament. So how proud he must be because they are the last African contingent making into the quarterfinals and holding the flag for, for Africa there. So hopefully Hakim Ziyech, who's looked like a different player, tying it back to Chelsea here. I don't know if we signed the same Hakim Ziyech that Morocco are getting, <laughs> but if he can do that in the Morocco shirt, maybe he can bring some of that form and class to Chelsea because we know he has it in his locker. But let's go from, from Morocco to Portugal versus uh, Switzerland. And Portugal, Rahul, big, big news there. Them dropping out Cristiano Ronaldo, but they get the business done. 6-1. If there's any way to prove to Ronaldo that you can do it without him and you can be successful, uh, you know, without him. Again, I'm not disrespecting him, but... And I've spoken to quite a few people this week alone about Ronaldo. 
he just doesn't realize that he's 37. He can't <laughs> do what is required from an attacking perspective with the pressing, the closing down. He gets the goals, and that's yep. great. But in games like these where, I mean, they killed the game pretty early on. And then they not only said, you know what, we've killed the game, we're actually going to take it a step further and just shut it out completely. Uh, six, six goals, I mean... We spoke about Brazil, who looked great. They got four. Yeah. Uh, Portugal came out and said, "We're going to send a message to the world and say we're we're still around and we're here to, uh, you know, to cause some some issues for a lot of teams." And Goncalo Ramos from Benfica, I believe, if he's a striker on the market, <laughs> look, we're, as Chelsea fans, we're desperate for a striker. But a hat trick, and I think the first one this time around at the World Cup, very well deserved and. Um, hopefully, like Spain scoring a lot of goals, Portugal have scored quite a few goals now. They don't get Morocco'd. <laughs> and and back to uh, Guancalo uh, Ramos, if we're saying that correctly. If not, we apologize. Only 21, Rahul. And so Chelsea fans who are looking for a striker and we're desperate for one that can score goals. Again, 21, very young Maybe not as proven, but I think as a Chelsea <laughs> fan, you're you're grasping out there for anybody that can score a goal. And so somebody gets a hat trick there, they're the next big thing for us. But well done, well deserved. And to answer the Ronaldo question, I think this is the way to do it because if your direct replacement comes out and gets a hat trick, it puts you at bay, maybe. Hopefully, you would hope that the coach is selecting things that work for the team. And he did come on and get 20, 25, 30 minutes. And I think ultimately at the age of 37, if he does win the World Cup, and he's able to wrap up that trophy collection. It doesn't matter. No one's going to remember Ronaldo on the bench. They're going to say he won a World Cup. So hopefully things work out for him and we'll see how that goes. But the African contingent, we'll get back to that later in a minute here. We'll see how that plays out. Let's jump into the quarterfinals. We've just reviewed the round of the 16. Let's talk about Netherlands versus Argentina. These are two big, big nations. They've played each other before in, in a final. So what do you make of this? Netherlands versus Argentina. It's definitely going to be a, a tight game with both teams not wanting to give much away. And we've seen the Netherlands uh, in the last round against the U.S. They held it down pretty well. They they contained the attack. They contained uh, the the talent from, from the U.S. And so coming up against the likes of Messi, Di Maria, McAllister. And if anyone out there knows how... Alexis McAllister is Argentinian. I'd love to know because that name doesn't sound Argentinian to me. Um, and I, I'm sure I could do the research myself, but I'm sure others are wondering the same thing too. So, uh, but no, it's going to be a tight game. And and I think you have to look at the Netherlands manager and Louis van Gaal, who's been there in this sport for a very long time. And he's done a lot of great things and, um, most recently talking about Memphis Depay and himself having <laughs> having a having a, a moment, I'll put it, uh, because I, I don't want the Qataris to get alarmed. <laughs> a, a little smooch is what they talked about having. <laughs> uh, but no, I think he's he could be a factor in this because he's very experienced and may come up with a plan that can halt Argentina. But I think it comes down to who gets the first goal in this because we've seen if Argentina get it, that opens the game up a little bit. If Argentina don't get it, Netherlands do. Argentina are going to get desperate. And then on the counter, we've seen what the Netherlands can do. Yeah. So what are you going to go for as far as a scoreline prediction with these two? Tough game. Tough game for sure. I, you, My heart wants to see an Argentina-Brazil 
semifinal because that's wow. one massive game. So I'm going to go for Argentina on penalties against Netherlands. On penalties. So you're going for a 1-1, nil-nil, 2-2. What are you looking for? I'll go for a 1-1, uh, 120 minutes, and then I'll go for a 4-2 Argentina on penalties. All right. So good, good result there for Argentina. <laughs> I don't think they care how they go through. My heart's telling me it's going to be a draw as well, Rahul, but I'm actually going for a 2-2. I think it's going to be a fairly exciting game. And on penalties, my friend, I'm going to go for Messi going home. Oh, and my God. Taking them out. So listen, if you're a Chelsea fan, but also a Messi fan, don't come at me. It's just my prediction. It could completely wrong. Don't place a bet and say, Jackie, tell you to place a bet either, because this World Cup, as Rahul has told you, has led us astray and... Some people have lost some money from their pockets. But both of us going for a draw in 90 minutes, which means it'll be an exciting game anyway. And then penalties is anybody, anybody's game at that point. So we'll see how that plays out. Let's talk about Croatia versus Brazil. Rahul, you've got the high-flying Brazil right now, but Croatia seem to be disciplined, tightly packed. They have the experience of Luka Modric and Kovacic in the middle, Perisic as well. How is this one playing out for you? Uh, I think Brazil are going to end up having too much energy too much just they're just gonna have the, that x factor ultimately but against croatia who are a good team and i think will not be three nil down and under in 30 minutes or so but i think ultimately brazil will find a way with with all the talent that they have and and by god they have a lot of talent in that <laughs> squad uh because if ederson is not even getting a game uh that tells you everything about their goalkeeping situation neymar is back feeling good um Richarlison scoring and has turned into a number nine that a lot of yep. top teams would want to be their first choice and he's not even Tottenham's first choice so that tells you about Tottenham but I think Brazil end up having having too much for Croatia so maybe a 3-1 in 90 minutes yeah I find it hard to argue with you I think Brazil are going to be the better team again I hope for a very competitive game because I think at the World Cup now that you're in the quarterfinals everybody is playing their hearts out for their country and trying to make it through uh, 3-1 seems like a fair scoreline. I'm just going to go for 2-0 for Brazil because I think Thiago Silva and the likes of them out there are also looking for the clean sheets. You mentioned Anderson can't get a game, so goalkeepers are locked away really, really well. So 2-0 for Brazil, and they'll get the business done, and they'll move on. And then that will give you, if your prediction comes through, that gives you Brazil versus Argentina semis. But let's move on to Europe. That's going to be England versus France. And Rahul, English, England's toughest challenge so far, I would say. Oh yeah, big biggest challenge for a long time, maybe even from the the final, the Euro 2021, 2020 final, whatever it was, against Italy, where you know what how that ended. So I but again, also for France, I want to say it's maybe one of their biggest challenges this tournament, uh, where they have to play a team that can take their chances and have, you know, the likes of Kane and and um Saka, who scored, obviously, Rashford, who can come off the bench, Jude Bellingham, who we've, we've barely spoken about this episode. Uh, so there are some good players within the England squad that can cause uh, France some problems. And ultimately, if they can find a way to keep Mbappe quiet, I'm not going to say silent, but quiet uh, for a little bit and, and get a goal or two, it may end up being a, 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 an English uh, day. Listen, Kyle Walker said it's not Mbappe <laughs> versus England. It's England versus France. But you cannot ignore the quality that he brings to these big games. I've seen some funny memes online about Gareth Southgate maybe playing like a 
six two <laughs> one with an angle toward the right side to stop Mbappe. But in all seriousness, I think my heart wants England to beat France and go through. But in my mind, France is such a strong team and has so much firepower that I don't know how I see this going for England at this point. So I'm trying to mull the result in my head and see that happens. Do you have a result you think that's going to come out? I, I do. And it's based on the fact that the big results for England this tournament have come against the sides that they were expected to be. And honestly, against Wales, Wales were on their way home anyway. Um, so when they've come up against sides, and yes, they ultimately ended up beating Senegal, but I think between the US and Senegal, I have seen enough to say that England still haven't found their feet completely as as, as a team here. And France have. Uh, and I think ultimately they have the X factor with Mbappe, and and I'm gonna go for France two one, two one to France. I think, I think you've convinced me that that is the ultimate solution that's gonna happen. Not because we don't want England to go through. Like if you've listened to us, we we've supported England for a long time yeah. because we have a lot of connections to the the Premier League, and we've watched a lot of players, Mason Mount in there, and we want them to do well. But it seems to be on paper. That's going to be the result. I'm going to go for a 3-1 to France. I think that similar to Giroud and Mbappe and those guys coming off the bench, you've got Griezmann. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But England get a consolation goal and the tournament ends here. And Rahul, you can have a debate with Alex later on about <laughs> if Gareth Southgate has to stay there or not. But So you're going 2-1. I'm going 3-1. Unfortunately, that means England's tournament will be over if we are right. So hopefully we're wrong and we'll come back here and we'll have a little discussion about that. But let's move on and talk about your favorite team, Morocco versus Portugal. We covered them most recently just now in Portugal without Ronaldo. Does he come back into the mix? Does he sit on the bench? How do you see this game going? Honestly, I I want to say he comes back because keeping him on the bench for two games is, is going to be quite a call. Uh, but again, if that's what benefits the team and that's what the coach decides, then, then he, he has to support that decision. Uh, I... My heart says Morocco. My head says Portugal. I'm going to go with my heart and say Morocco get it done again uh, and become the first team to make it to the semifinal from Africa. So uh, as much as I would have wanted Ghana to be that team, yeah, uh, I think Morocco deserve it. And, and it would be great to see them uh, in the final four. For a scoreline... I think a 1-1 in 90 minutes. Wow. And then Morocco score an extra time winner. Look, listen, every tournament, there has to be a fairy tale. And I think if there could be a fairy tale in this tournament, it needs to be Morocco because they're not just carrying their hopes now. They're carrying all of Africa. But <laughs> my personal opinion, Rahul, and I hate to burst the bubble of anybody listening, <laughs> is I think Portugal have a lot of firepower. I think what they did to... Switzerland, six goals in is not, you know, the goalkeeper, some summer all the summer I hope I'm saying his name correctly. He was a fantastic goalkeeper in the Euros, and I thought he was absolutely brilliant. And they were able to sneak six past him. Of course, the young man scoring a hat trick there. I think they have a lot of firepower. I wonder, and I think that this coach may stick with Ronaldo on the bench because things are working for them right now. And if he can keep Ronaldo positive and happy and saying, you don't have to start the game, but we could go on a run to win the World Cup, and ultimately you would win a World Cup. Yeah. Things could be brilliant for them. So I'm going to go for Portugal beating Morocco and the fairy tale ending. It hurts me to say that, but I think it's going to be 3-1 to Portugal. And look, if that happens, I think Morocco still have a lot to 
to be proud about uh, with your prediction on the other side, we still don't get the Messi Ronaldo final that, that a lot of people are hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I think Portugal will have to come into this game as favorites and it's up to them, but obviously Morocco will have a lot of influence in terms of how, how it goes. And maybe I'm just a dreamer and I want the, the fairy tale to continue, but uh, I can see Portugal getting a few goals as well. Look, hopefully the fairy tale continues and you and I will be back here and praising them like we have. <laughs> so that's good. Before we wrap up though, Rahul, do you see anybody that's a clear favorite to win this World Cup? Of course, it changes every week, but right now at this point in time, anybody you see that's going to be the favorite? Yeah, I think Brazil have to, have to be there. And then France on the other side uh, have to be there as well. But I don't know. They have a feeling about Argentina and, and everything that's riding with the Messi. Yeah. Uh, you know, final World Cup. But again, that could be a, a a motivation or a curse in the fact that if you go a goal down or there's something going against you, the pressure builds up. And we've seen when the pressure builds up for Argentina, they just want to give it to Messi and, and not have to do anything. <laughs> so if you're a betting man and you like what Rahul is saying, then you may want to put your money on France, Brazil, or Argentina is what I'm hearing. Yes. And look, if England make it through from, from from this game, they could also make it to the final because with the teams that they would end up facing, and as much as I'd want Morocco to make it or 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 you know Portugal make it to the semifinal, England would then have the better squad and and one game away from the final. You never know. Let's see how that plays out. But I'll pass it over to you to take us home, Rahul. Did you have a favorite or or? One that you think is a clear favorite in your mind before I we think, wrap it up? I think you covered them, and I think it's going to be a Brazil-France final on paper as things go through, which is an exciting final to look forward to. But we'll be here next week reviewing the semifinals and the quarterfinal results, and I might be completely wrong. But if I'm a betting man, those are the two I'm looking at. Absolutely. That means we're going to get an Mbappe-Neymar final. And everything we've heard between those two i think neymar and both and mbappe will be highly highly motivated but yep. that wraps it up guys thank you very much for listening please continue to subscribe like and follow us at the premier Chels on on all major podcast providers uh and instagram and on twitter it's at premier Chels. Uh, but we will be back with a review of the quarterfinals and a preview of the semifinals uh, but until then stay safe and I guess I'm saying it's coming home, wherever that may be. So uh, we'll be back, guys. Thanks. Hey, guys. The Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top-quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home, so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.